Hey, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Ashley. And you're listening to All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We want to create a space for all bodies to come together authentically and purposefully to discuss various areas that impact us on a cultural and relational level. We believe that all bodies and all foods are welcome. We would love for you to join us on this journey. Let's learn together. Hey, Sam. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's time for another episode. We're back. We're back. We have more to say, apparently. Yeah, we do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So last time we talked about um, how somebody can support one of their loved ones in eating disorder recovery or eating disorder treatment, all the above. Right. Um, And I feel like we talked about a lot of good things. We talked about educating themselves, um, being Mm -hmm. gentle with themselves and with their loved ones. Um, no No, diet talk, right? No diet talk, no body talk, no comments about weight. Yeah. Um, no, uh, all foods fit, no bad foods, no good foods. Right. We, we did cover a lot of ground at the same time. I feel like there's so much more we could say. I know. I was thinking the same thing, Sam. I feel like you know, there there's not an end to this, really, as far right. as learning how to support your loved one. Um, it is a journey that we have to continue, right. you know. Um, exactly. I tell my clients a lot when I'm talking to them, I'm like, what if there's just not a resolve here, meaning there's not a, a finality? Like, we have to just keep learning in this process. Yeah. Um, we've yeah. got to keep going. So, yeah. You want to talk about that some more? Definitely. Definitely. Yes. And I think there, you know, I work with so many families and I think you're absolutely right. It's a process. It's ongoing. Uh, relationships are evolving, ever changing. So yeah, it's, um, I think it's important that, you know, we talk more about how, how we can really support each other, especially when yeah. we know someone's struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so one of the topics that we really started discussing last time was educating ourselves. Yeah. Um, and there is just a plethora of information out there about eating disorders, about yeah, any way that we can learn, that we can educate ourselves. And so I just wanted right. to see if we could expand on that a little bit today. Yeah, um, absolutely. Good? Yeah. Great okay. idea. So yes, it's one of the things I tell, one of the first things I tell just about every family, what do you know about eating disorders? Because it's going to be crucial that you learn what they are. Um, Because I think in our culture, they've been really simplified to Mm -hmm. food and weight. Yeah. And that just could not be more inaccurate. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I find it so fascinating when I'm sitting with the clients and they have this kind of light bulb moment yeah. when they're in treatment where they they realize my eating disorder is not about the food. Yeah. It's like an <laughs> aha moment. Yeah. Totally. A, a total aha moment. Yes. Um, and so then we start kind of talking about, okay, well, what is it about? Right. Um, and so in that vein, just kind of wanted to share, um, 
that we we at Renfrew really see an eating disorder as an emotional disorder, uh-huh. um, meaning if somebody um, has an eating disorder, if somebody's using those eating disorder behaviors, it really happens or, or they're using those as a way and as an opportunity to manage this bigger emotional experience that they might be having. Um, so I'll explain it's, it's that a coping. little bit. It's yeah, an it's attempt cope. to cope. It's yeah. their coping mechanism. Exactly. It's absolutely their coping mechanism. Um, so let's say somebody has anxiety. Let's say somebody has depression. Honestly, maybe even they're dealing with some PTSD or mm-hmm. um, some OCD tendencies. And this it's all right. feeling like too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I can't manage this. I don't know how to do this in life. Um, so I'm going to go to this coping mechanism Um, and enter in the eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And so many times, um, this starts out very innocently, right? Oh, always. It starts out, I'm going to, I'm going to start this new diet. I'm going to get, I'm going to get healthy. I hear that all the time. I'm going to, I'm going to really get my life together. I'm going to get healthy. Yeah. Right, that one. I love the one you just said, I'm going to get my life together. Mm-hmm. Truly. Right. Like I'm right. going to get, I'm going to get on track. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything like that. Right. And in this so, culture, it's like always goes to food and body. It's like, you always. know, yeah, it's whenever, yeah. and you notice whenever anyone is, well, when most people talk about, you know, getting on track or like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being their best self. Mm-hmm. It seems to always go back to diet and changing their body in some way. We're yes. conditioned. Yes. We're yeah, conditioned. We are. We are. I even think about um, the beginning of the year. Anytime it's, you know, obviously it's the beginning of the year. We are so conditioned to think about how do we get back on track? Um, how do right. we how do we do this? Yeah. How do we diet? How do we fix our bodies? Right. Exactly. All the things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, so if somebody is having that bigger emotional experience, maybe they're, I don't know, anxious, maybe they're in school and they're anxious about, um, finals coming up or, you know, it's my mm-hmm. senior year and I've got to pick, well, am I picking a college or am I picking, um, am I going to take a gap year? Am I doing whatever, right? right? Right. There's a lot of like decisions to go on, um, or decisions to make. And so Mm -hmm. enter in the eating disorder and it kind of helps soothe, if you will, um, the anxiety Mm -hmm. that that person is experiencing. And distract. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I hear this a lot when I hear the narratives of folks with eating disorders that it gave them something to focus on yeah, and it could drown out everything else. And how comforting is it to just put all your mental energy into calories, into the scale, into tracking your quote unquote progress. Mm -hmm. And you feel like it gives you like this false sense of achievement, productivity. Yeah. All of these things, which are, you know, really admirable in this culture, in this like, you know, hustle sort of culture. Um, Yeah. What a powerful distraction. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And in in that vein, I've heard um, 
people specifically like that, that powerful distraction that gives us productivity, you know, that feels like we're achieving stuff. Right. I've heard um, people mention that it feels, or, or maybe that someone with an eating disorder is just looking for that control, right? Mm, that, mm-hmm. um, I'm taking this, I'm going to control this scenario. I'm going to mm. take this back. And I just want to say, just as a therapist who's worked with a ton of clients with eating disorders, I really think that that undervalues what's actually going on with that person. Um, It's a simplification. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think control is the right word to use. Again, I think these symptoms are a way to manage this bigger experience that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so- um, I think even as we're learning, you know, again, learning about eating disorders, how do we support um, our loved ones? Let's maybe shift from that mind frame of what are you trying to control? Why are you trying to control something to right. what's going on? Is there something bigger here that you need help managing? Right. Um, right. How can I support you? You know? Right. Absolutely. Um, making that mental shift can really yeah. change the way you will approach your loved one yeah. because you have a different perspective on what's going yeah. on with them. And I also want to add, yes, eating disorders are emotional disorders. They're attempts to avoid, dampen, escape, cope with emotions. Yeah. And at the same time, the malnutrition we so frequently see yeah. In eating with eating disorders actually worsens mood, yes. cognition. Yes. So, you know, their ability to think more flexibly, their ability to regulate their emotions is all compromised because of the of the malnourishment. And yes. by the way, you can be malnourished at any weight. Yes. yes. I think that's a big misconception in this culture that, oh well, mm-hmm. my loved one's not malnourished because they're at this weight. Yeah. And the reality is malnutrition can happen to anybody. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that's the other component of this eating disorder that I don't I don't even know that um somebody that might have an eating disorder might even understand the malnourished brain when they're first coming in, you know. Right. Um, right. Just what you're saying, the the cognitive flexibility, the the ability to think differently, to have um or or yeah, to have multiple thoughts about one thing, it really, that kind of goes away. And we get stuck in this very black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very either or. And kind of that tricky thing um, is when it's that either or and that black and white, it's good versus bad, right? And so if the decision to if the decision to eat a certain thing or not eat a certain thing is the good decision, but we choose the other one in our eating disorder, um, then we automatically are bad. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like we automatically label ourselves as bad. Um, And that is so hard for us to, to, I I mean, that's just so harsh. The self, the negative self-talk that we do um, in the eating disorder is just so harmful and so yucky. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's such a great point. It's, you know, that inner critic, mm-hmm. we often see a very strong inner critic, very strong perfectionistic tendencies yeah. with many folks with eating disorders. 
um, you know, this really strong desire to just sort of like be the best at everything. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, society, unfortunately, defines these ideals for us that are not attainable, not sustainable, not realistic. And, you know, the, the malnourishment in an eating disorder really can make your thinking around, around that even more rigid, you know, um, and become so hyper-focused on hitting that goal weight or, you know, counting those calories or, you know, um, just all of those compulsive sort of behaviors. It Mm -hmm. just gets worse and worse. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of families don't, understand what's happening to their loved one because they're noticing their their loved ones their whether it's their child or their partner um sister brother uh their personality is changing yeah the mood is shifting so much that personality is shifting so much yeah and i often have to educate families that Mm -hmm. a lot of what you're seeing and i educate my client as well so they understand a lot of this actually you know, are the effects of malnutrition. Yeah. And once we can get our clients kind of on a better system, a better routine, they're, they're, um, they're eating appropriately, you know, they're, they're consuming nutrition appropriately. Right. All of a sudden that mood starts to shift. It's their personality starts to come back. Um, it might take a minute, you know, but it does. It starts it does. to come back. Um, but yeah. just that, again, that that um, education component for the family system to kind of understand where their loved one is, is so critical in this because when the personality has shifted or the mood has changed to something that's very, mm-hmm. you know, someone I'm not really enjoying being around, it's kind of hard to right. find compassion when you're arguing with somebody the whole That's time. That's such you know? a great point. Yeah. And I think a lot of times parents and partners, they have such good intentions. They want to help yeah. and they want to try to fight the eating disorder with logic. Yeah. And I often have to explain <laughs> to family members, I say, I, I hear how much you really love your child or your partner. And I, I need you to understand that eating disorders are not rational disorders. Yes. So they can't be fought with logic. They're emotional yes. disorders. Yes. I, I just, I'm so happy that you just brought that point up because, yeah, I mean, I've just seen it so much sitting in yeah. the office. It's very common. Um, but why? But why? But why? But why? And yeah. um as we educate ourselves, as we learn about the emotional um, experience that our loved one is having, as we learn about their malnutrition and their their brain changing, meaning their mood right. is shifting and their personality is shifting, it just helps give us a little bit more compassion when we go into really this treatment cycle with them. Because we know, we know that the more support a person has through their treatment, the better the outcome. Yes. And and that and when I say that, I mean support. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to do this, you need to do this, but the more support they have, um, the mm-hmm. better the outcome with the person. Emotional support yeah. specifically, I yeah. think is so crucial. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I think 
I have family members who their hope is that they drop their loved one off at treatment. And it's sort of like, okay, well, let me know when, when they're fixed. <laughs> and, and, and I, again, you know, a lot, it's always a lot of education and I, and I really just think there's so much misinformation out there with the media and, and everything. Um, but, you know, treatment, it, it's not about your loved one isn't broken. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be fixing them. Yeah. Um, you know, recovery is an ongoing process and actually we need you. Yeah. We yeah. need you to be a part of this. Of course, with the client's consent, uh, yeah. I, I always want my client to be on, on board with having family members involved, uh, but we need them because we need to teach them how to better support yeah. what to do, what not to do, um, how to validate emotions. Yes. Even when you might not agree with what yeah. the person is experiencing, you don't yeah. have to agree to validate yeah. and teaching those skills because I believe that it's validating is really a skill like anything else. It's something you learn. It's something you practice yeah. and it's something you use in all of your relationships eventually, yes. not yeah. just with, you know, your loved one. So, and um, yeah. Part of validating is, is, giving them the space to have the experience that they need to have, right? Yeah. As they as they work on their treatment process, right. as they work on their recovery process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Part of validating them is also doing your own work um, mm-hmm. and understanding doing that, but also just understanding where maybe your piece of the puzzle fits in to the bigger picture. Right. Um, Right. So I wanted to ask you, I know that you've got a resource um, that you want to share with us. Specifically, it is uh, caregiver styles, right? Yes. It's something we teach at Renfrew. Uh, at Renfrew, we have uh, the family day. We used to call yeah. it family weekend. It's called family day, where yeah. it's an all day event where mm-hmm. we do a lot of education on not mm-hmm. only eating disorders, research, treatment, but also the different family dynamics and relationship yeah. dynamics that end up unwittingly maintaining eating disorder cycles. Yeah. Yeah. And we want family members to really understand how, you know, how to short, sort of shift their style into a more compassionate, validating caring style rather than, for example, trying to fight the eating disorder with logic, which I think is really common. And it, and it makes sense that maybe that's the instinct because debating with logic can be a really effective strategy in many situations. It's just not effective with eating disorders. So um, this is actually from the work of Janet Treasure. And we've been using this for years And the caregiver styles, what I really like about them is that they are animals. Yes. So it is sort of a fun way to talk about some really difficult things and um, to talk about it openly, even with your loved one. They could probably let you know which style they think you gravitate to, especially when you're under stress. Um, and, and also just to normalize that these reactions are so common that, Mm -hmm. you know, researchers have developed 
animal models to describe <laughs> them. So you're not alone. You know, yeah. this is very common and we want to just show you a different way yeah. to support your loved one. Yeah. Do you think, could you share like a couple of those styles? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, so since we already talked about the logical approach, yeah. which is so common, let's start there because we okay. see this a lot in certain family members. I've seen it with fathers, um, okay. but I've also seen it with other caregivers too, um, okay. or partners. Um, but the rhino really takes the approach of using force and logic to okay. attack the eating disorder. And, and I just want to reiterate that the rhino really cares a lot. There's a lot of passion in the rhino. They yeah. want to help. They want to fight this thing. Yeah. They want to do something actively. And so what ends up happening is there are, I mean, this might sound familiar to some of our listeners out there, but it's sort of like, <laughs> um, why don't you just eat? You look great. Right. Why are you worried about your weight? You look fine. Okay. Um, there's nothing wrong with eating this. Uh, it's not going to hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is the eating disorder voice is always listening. Yeah. And the what ends up happening is your loved one, when they're put in a situation where they are given an opportunity to debate. Mm-hmm. They are just going to use their eating disorder to fight back. Mm-hmm. And in turn, that actually strengthens the eating disorder voice because they're going right. to just come up with ways to debate the rhino and prove the rhino wrong. And they're actually just going to become um, more entrenched yeah. in those disordered thoughts. Yes. Well, because again, if we're talking about um, how the eating disorder malnourishes our brain, takes away our ability to think flexibly, yes. then we're getting to that very black or white place. If, if again, what I heard you saying was um, the rhino is very passionate and so desperately wants yes. to help their loved one. Yes. And they're saying, why don't you just eat that? You look great. <laughs> right? Right. And right. so this eating disorder brain maybe has already labeled that as a bad food or um, or already has a response that that is like, well, if, if, if this person thinks that I look great, maybe that means I've gain too much weight already. Oh, sure. Yeah. Maybe. Eating disorder yeah. voice will twist. Yes. You know, whatever. I mean, I, I often tell family members commenting on appearance is just a bad idea because it's probably yeah. just going to not land well, yeah. regardless of whether or not it's a co- meant to be a compliment yeah. or meant to be critical. It doesn't matter Yes, because any comment about appearance is just probably not going to be helpful, especially right. comments like you look healthy, um, you know, you look good to them. It might mean I don't, I don't look the way I want to look. Right. They're seeing a change in my body. 
Right. What change are they seeing? Right. Do they think I gained weight? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, fat phobia is at the root of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. You know, am I bigger to them? Mm-hmm. Does healthy mean bigger? Mm-hmm. And exactly. so that internalized fat phobia kicks in and frightens them yes. very much and actually yeah. makes them want to turn to their eating disorder even more. Yeah. So it strengthens those urges. But I think that, you know, oftentimes rhinos need a little help getting more in touch with mm-hmm. the emotional part mm-hmm. in the relationship. And they just need a little support and coaching around how do you target the emotion at play rather than trying to fight the eating disorder with logic. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, there's a big difference between saying, why aren't you eating dinner? You need to eat this right now compared to it looks like you're really struggling right now. I'm wondering what's coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Even hearing that example, you can hear that shift in your voice. Why aren't you yeah. eating this right now? Sounds very, um, if, if I was this, the, the person that wasn't eating, it sounds like I'm getting in trouble. Right. 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 Versus I can tell that this is really hard for you right now. Yeah. That feels like you are going back to that word validation that you meant. It feels like you are coming onto my level and actually seeing me. I feel seen when you say that to me instead of, why aren't you doing this? Exactly. And that's the name of the game is we want to feel seen in all of our relationships. Yeah. And so I, I often help family members say what they see. Yeah. You know, you look sad. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Or I just notice, you know, I noticed your expression changed. What's coming up for you? You look really anxious right now. I see your leg moving up and down. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. And can really help your loved one also be more aware yes. of what they're experiencing. Because many times in eating disorder recovery, Some of the hard, you know, one of the very hard things about recovery is learning how to tune into your inner world. Yes. Notice it, identify it, label it, express it. That's a lot of work. And it's not easy for maybe someone who has been spending a lot of time numbing Mm -hmm. out. Right, right. If they're in, if they're in active eating disorder, everything that I do is, um, I, I am desperately trying to disconnect from my body and from yes. my experience. Yes. I'm I am trying to numb out. I am trying to avoid. I'm not trying to be there. Exactly. Um, exactly. Right. And so for my loved one to label it also reminds me that I can label what's going on. Well, yes, um, exactly. And just going back to the animals, I can also maybe say I think you're having a rhino moment right now, which might lighten the mood. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing a rhino in you I'm right now. The yeah. Rhino. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I'm so glad you brought up this idea of reconnecting to the body. Yeah, such an important part of of recovery, and it's not just about. I mean, we talk about reconnecting to the body. We're not just talking about the physical body exactly. We're talking about the emotional experience in the body. Yes. Yeah. The inter, we call it interoceptive for anyone out there listening. Um, <laughs> that's the technical term, but 
you know, it's about being able to notice when your heart's racing, being mm-hmm. able to notice when your stomach's in knots, being mm-hmm. able to notice when your muscles are feeling tense. That's body connection. Yeah. And in eating disor- with eating disorders, gradually, I think the person becomes more and more disconnected from their body mm-hmm. and from their emotional experiences, which are part of their body. Definitely. Yeah. And they, you know, and that may have been that that might have been the culture of their system that they were working in, right? Is to be disconnected. And so in recovery, as the as as the um person shifts to reconnect, that's what we also get to ask these family members to do. Also connect with your body, connect with your experience, right? Label what you see. Right. Um Yes. So I'm curious, Sam, we've got a couple minutes left, but yes. can we just quickly hear one more of the caregiver styles? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So ooh, which one should I pick? There's a lot of good ones. And I, I encourage the our audience to, to look these up there. Um, you can find them online, I believe. So let's talk about the jellyfish. Okay. The jellyfish. This yeah. is a good one. <laughs> Tell us yes. about that one. Yeah, really common. Again, these are all very common. The jellyfish is someone in the family who experiences emotions very intensely. Okay. So they might be sort of that highly sensitive type person. Okay. And sense emotional sensitivity, I strongly believe, is a gift. Yes. And comes with challenges, right? Yes. So someone yes. in the family might be you know, have that emotional sensitivity, have trouble maybe hiding what they're feeling. Yeah. When I think of a jellyfish, I think of it kind of like electrifying or like pulsing, you know, like. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, So this is someone who has a really hard time regulating their emotional experience. And not that I'm sort of suggesting that people need to go around hiding their emotions. Yes. Um, that's really not the answer. Uh, but this is really someone, a jellyfish is someone who is emoting really intensely. So yes. maybe they're crying frequently. They are, um, get very activated and stressed, yes. um, you know, depending, depending on what the trigger is, but, you know, oftentimes and understandably so, if you're a parent of someone who has an eating disorder, this is, it's very distressing yes, for you yes. to see them engaging in certain behaviors or suffering. And it understandably so will bring up some emotions in you. Yeah. The issue with the jellyfish, however, yeah. is that your loved one is perceptive. Mm-hmm. Many folks with eating disorders are very perceptive and in tune with, with, in tune with other people's emotions, very empathic. Yes. And they're picking up on the stress, on the anxiety, on the fear and the reactions of their, of their family member. And what they learn to do over time is they learn to suppress their emotions and hide their emotions, maybe even isolate, maybe even lie mm-hmm. about their struggles mm-hmm. to protect their loved okay. one. Okay. So it's really, in, in, a, in a way, it's an act of love both ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the jellyfish is so distressed because they love 
their Mm -hmm. child so much Mm -hmm. and the child loves their caregiver so much and wants to protect them. Yeah. But the problem is this dynamic is not going to work well in recovery. So we need to, what we need to do is, and again, these are all skills. Skills can be learned and practiced, but it's really about learning how to experience your emotions and be able to tolerate them mm-hmm. without, you know, becoming so activated that it's taking up all the emotional space in the room. Right. Right. And once you're able to tolerate your emotions, experience your emotions, it kind of gets you to that place where you can better um, tolerate and allow your loved one to experience their emotion. Exactly. Um, Yes. Yes. Where we can both have emotions. We can both label them. We can both talk about them. And that be that, right? Not have a a reaction um, based on whatever either of us are experiencing. Exactly. So so part of the work is helping the caregiver get to a place or the partner or the friend, whoever, you know, know, to get to a place where they can hear really difficult things and not react in a way that feels unsafe to the other person. What we really want ultimately, is that we want the person with the eating disorder to feel safe Yeah, going to them for support and yeah. being completely honest about yeah. struggling, Yeah, knowing that the person will be there and support them and not be burdened yes. by their disclosure. Yes. Because I think with eating disorders, another really common story folks tell themselves is that they're a burden to other people. They're a burden or I, I like to ask my clients this, do you feel like you live on an island by yourself mm. where no one understands you, yeah. right? No one yeah. gets it. Exactly. Um, right. And so it's, it's hard to be authentic. It's hard to be vulnerable if you feel like you're yes. a burden or if you feel completely misunderstood every time you open your mouth. Yeah. And, um, they, and of course, you know, there's a strong desire. They don't want to upset the people they love. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've, you know, they, you know, they say to themselves, if I tell my mom this, she's just going to freak out. Right. I can't tell her. You don't understand. And so the work then becomes helping mom. Right. You know, hear that news through and see it through a different lens. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because also we have to look at what what are the beliefs and the stories mom is telling herself mm-hmm. about this disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why learning about eating disorders is so important. So we can yeah. really understand better, you know, what your loved one's going through. Um, but learning how to react in a way that is, of course, coming from a place of concern, but also you're a source of understanding, of compassion, of empathy. And that just makes it more and more likely that your loved one will come to you in the future because they know I can tell this person anything. Yes. And they can handle it. Yes. And they can, exactly. They can handle it. They can handle it. This person now knows how to create space um, for their loved one to come to them. And that is so 
that's so healing. That is so healing on so many levels, really for both individuals. Oh, um, absolutely. That can be so healing. And, And I've seen, I've seen parents and children do this. Partners learn how to do this. Yeah. You know, um, these are skills that can be learned and all of these dynamics can be unlearned. Yeah. It'll feel uncomfortable and probably a little unnatural at first. Yeah. (laughs) And over time, you know, when you practice new ways Mm -hmm. of existing in your relationships, they start to feel more natural over time. Mm -hmm. So I, I really do. Um, I just want to, just pass along some hope that, yes. you know, these, these dynamics are flexible and they can, they can change as needed with, with yes. support, with skills, with practice. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Well, awesome. Sam, thank you so much. This was such another good conversation. I'm so glad yes. we were able to do this today. Well, thank you, Ashley. I know I, oh. um, we could probably even have another episode on <laughs> there's yeah there's a lot to talk about when it comes to family dynamics so i hope yeah. this was helpful yeah and to our listeners just thank you guys for joining us again and um yeah we hope that you found this information rich and helpful and keep listening we'll have more <laughs> we'll see you next time all right bye Thank you for listening with us today on All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We're looking forward to you joining us next time as we continue these conversations.